0: Quartet Hetman with Oi Upoli Verba, a song called, well, the title translates as um, uh, Willow in the Field, and it's really nothing to do about a tree, but it is about um, a romance from back in the olden days. Quartet Hetman with Oi Upoli Verba. Dobrý večedy vytajju vás vsich dohy radio sucheči na radioprou náš holos, radiorinnskoho korinja, kotra podjaje vám na bahatomovni radiostanci AM 1320 CHMB u mist pri mikrofonii Pavvina dďkoju š todyšala prebudu ze mnoju neststupno denu nem majmo duže si kavinovene najoednišní programy. Hello there and welcome to Nash Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio here on AM 1320 CHMB Vancouver. I'm your host Pavlina. Thank you so much for joining me. We've got a great program lined up for you. Uh dug into the Nash Holos audio archives and dusted off a reading list that um from back in uh, 2020 on Ukrainian Jewish heritage. If you're anything like me, uh you know, I see I've got tons of books on my bookshelf I still haven't read and I'll uh, listen to uh or i read a review and say, I have to really get that book and just uh, never get around to it. So um, if that's you, then you'll enjoy this reading list on Ukrainian Jewish heritage. As well, an interview with Sofia Kaminko, one of the co-founders of the Ukrainian Advocacy Group, which is bringing a very interesting display to Vancouver this coming Wednesday called War in Living Colors so you'll hear all about that in the second half of the program we'll also have our usual proverb of the week other items of interest and great Ukrainian music and coming up next another group from Ukraine called Silsky Hudaki and traditional Ukrainian folk song Dole moya Dole a song all about fate <laughs>
1: Passes for Canada's National Ukrainian Festival are available for only $150. Kids 12 and under get in free. Don't miss the very best in Ukrainian culture, food, music, and dancing over three incredible days, July 29th to 31st, at the festival site near Dauphin, Manitoba. Your one pay gate gives you access to all the on site attractions on four feature stages, including the amazing grandstand variety shows and evening dance parties. Order your weekend passes and camping passes by phone at 204 622 4600 or online at CNUF.ca.
2: Nash listeners are encouraged to support this vision through continued donations into the future. To apply for grants, make a donation, or for more information, visit shochanacofoundation.com.
0: Edmonton, that was Trembita with a recent release called Oyu Poli Dvadubke or Oyu Hori Dvadubke, pardon me. That was another song about trees uh, out there, uh, this one on a hill. And uh, that is a, a new release and it is a fundraiser for the Ukrainian war effort. So uh, if you're on Facebook, follow Trembita, and you'll find links to where you can make a donation. Through purchasing the song, or um, you can check the Nash Hollis show notes as well for a link. Up next, Ron Kahoot and Budia with an instrumental they call Klezmerish. <laughs> Ukrainian jewish heritage on Nasholus Ukrainian Roots Radio, discovering unknown and untold stories from the past and present of Ukraine's rich Jewish heritage. What greater pleasure than sitting down with a good book on a lazy summer afternoon at the beach or by the pool, on a shady deck, or sprawled out on a lush green lawn? Some books may entertain... Others inform, still others edify, but every book enriches the mind—the mind of the reader certainly, but also the mind of the author. Some of whom are inspired by writing a book to write others. Here on Nasholus, through our Ukrainian Jewish Heritage series, we've been fortunate to review many intriguing and fascinating books on topics involving Jews, Ukrainians, and their interactions. These interactions have not always been amicable, and it is a testament to the authors for broaching controversial topics and examining them with sensitivity, empathy, and a sense of fairness. Two years ago, I decided to compile a list for your summer reading pleasure. This year, because we've reviewed eight more outstanding books since then, I thought I'd do it again. So, enjoy. Here is part one. Dave Terrace, the King of Klezmer, by Yale Strom, chronicles the life and work of a Ukrainian-born man who became known as the Benny Goodman of Klezmer. He was the individual most responsible for the development of a uniquely American style of Jewish Klezmer music. From 1925 until his death in 1989, Dave Terrace set the standard. Well-known jazz legends such as Charlie Parker and Miles Davis studied his technique. Yale Strom is himself an accomplished Klezmer musician and historian. He is credited as a pioneer in the revival of Klezmer. Strom had already published several books on the genre when, by happenstance, he ran into a great-grandson of Dave Terrace in New York. That encounter inspired Strom to write a biography of the iconic musician. Fleeing pogroms in Russian-occupied Ukraine, Terrace and his wife arrived in America in 1920. He got a job working in his brother-in-law's fur shop because he did not think he was good enough to make a living as a musician in America. But within three years, he was supporting his growing family playing his clarinet. He would go on to become the most acclaimed klezmer musician in the United States. During his career, he made hundreds of recordings on labels such as Columbia and RCA Victor. The book contains many touching anecdotes by family members, musical colleagues and protégés. There's newly discovered biographical material Rare Photos, the musical scores of 28 of Terrace's original klezmer tunes arranged for violin and clarinet, a glossary of Yiddish terms, a bibliography, detailed footnotes, and discography, plus a copy of a handwritten note by Terrace a few years before he passed away. Dave Terrace influenced several generations of klezmer musicians and will no doubt continue to influence generations to come. In the 1970s, Dave Terrace was rediscovered and came out of retirement to do one last studio recording and tour. It was a huge hit with seniors who recalled the heyday of klezmer. But it also attracted a smaller crowd of young musicians who would form the nucleus of a revival of Yiddish culture. In 1984, Dave Terrace was honored by the National Endowment of the Arts with a National Heritage Fellowship. On the August 24th, 2018 episode of Ukrainian Jewish Heritage, I shared the story of Dave Terrace and his wonderful music, as well as this book. If you missed it, or would like to hear it again, check out our audio archive, August 24th, 2018. Just search for it on our podcast feed. There's also a link to the audio with a transcript, which you can find at the Nash Holo's website. The book Dave Terrace The King of Klesmer by Yale Strom is available at Amazon and other booksellers. Jews and Ukrainians A Millennium of Coexistence by Paul Robert Magotchi and Johannin Petrovsky Stern is a comprehensive historical account of the relationship between Jews and ethnic Ukrainians, both in Ukraine and in the diaspora. This book attempts to fill the gap of what Jews and Ukrainians know about each other. It begins with an examination of how stereotypes, perceptions, and misperceptions, often based on blatant prejudice, cloud the relationship between Ukrainians and Jews, which goes back a thousand years. The first Jewish settlers moved to Ukrainian lands as maritime merchants from the Mediterranean basin. They settled in the coastal towns of the Black Sea along with Greek colonists. During the time of Kiev and Rus, Jews started arriving from Central Europe and settling in Central and Northern Ukrainian towns. There are references to Jewish settlers in the literature of the period. Jews and Ukrainians continued to live together in the land that is contemporary Ukraine for hundreds of years, despite rule by foreign governments. By 1900, Jews made up nearly 9% of the population of modern-day Ukraine and ethnic Ukrainians 74%. Today, just 0.02% of Ukraine's population is Jewish and lives in major centers. The world of shtetls in Ukraine, with thriving Jewish communities and commerce, is forever gone. This volume is full of intricate information, insightful historical analysis, detailed graphics and maps, as well as very relevant photographs. At times, the detail seems almost encyclopedic, but the writers managed to make each and every section relevant and readable. Those new to Ukrainian studies will learn a great deal about Ukraine's history and culture. Those who have studied both Ukrainian and Jewish culture will appreciate the commentary and the analysis of historical events. Researchers will definitely appreciate the extensive list of resources at the end of this book. Magachi and petrovsky Stern have written an impressive book, packed with encyclopedic detail, while being as easy to read as a magazine. Jews and Ukrainians, A Millennium of Coexistence, is available at Chapters Indigo and Amazon. Yar: History and Memory, is dedicated to the commemoration of the 75th anniversary of Yar, In September of 1941, this scenic area of forests and ravines in Kiev, which translates into English as Grandmother's Ravine, became a global symbol of the Holocaust. Once known as the Switzerland of Kiev, today Baben Yar is synonymous with unfathomable cruelty and unprecedented loss of life. Nearly 34,000 Kievan Jews perished in Baben Yar at the hands of the Nazis in late September of 1941. Over the next two years, tens of thousands more people, Jews and non-Jews, were murdered there. The contributions to this volume are based on documentary sources and academic research. Babin History and Memory, is the result of the collaborative effort of scholars from various disciplines in Canada, France, Israel, the Netherlands, Ukraine, and the United States, working with editors Vladislav Rinevich and Paul Robert Magotchi. These scholars were compelled by the desire to inform the world about the history of these most terrible human tragedies and also to underline the importance of preserving its memory. At the center of the book, of course, is the history of a Nazi crime. But this history is a departure point for a deeper discussion. The book covers the politics of memory and forgetting, from the Stalinist period to the present day, and the cultural memory of Baben Yar. Yet there is a generational aspect to the reinterpretation of this tragedy. Every generation does this in its own way, as it must, because the past is not some construct set in stone, forever fixed in place. It is instead a dynamic phenomenon open to new discoveries. This book examines some of these new discoveries and the context in which they are reached. It is available in both Ukrainian and English editions. The English edition is available on Amazon. A Journey Through the Ukrainian Jewish Encounter from Antiquity to 1914 was curated and written by Alti Rodal, the co-director of the Ukrainian Jewish Encounter. It was originally a traveling exhibition that examined the history and interactions of these two peoples living side by side on Ukrainian lands. The panels featured texts, graphics, photographs, paintings and maps, as well as short videos and recorded music. The exhibit traveled to four Canadian cities between May and September of 2015. In 2018, Alty Rodal expanded on the exhibit's narrative to explore the multidimensional relationships between Ukrainians and Jews inhabiting the lands of today's Ukraine. The book is divided into two sections, Antiquity to the Partitions of Poland and Two Parallel Eras, the Long Nineteenth Century from 1772 to 1914. The first section examines the interactions of the two peoples beginning in antiquity, moving to the Polish-Lithuanian Commonwealth period, and concluding with an examination of Hasidism and Hebrew-Yiddish publishing on Ukrainian lands. The issues discussed include Jewish settlement in Ukrainian lands, Ukrainian serfdom, Jewish cooperation with Polish magnates, Khmelnytsky's uprising and the consequences for both Jews and Ukrainians, the Uman Massacre, the rise of the Union Church, and the rise of Hasidism. The second section of this book focuses on the experience of Ukrainians and Jews in the Russian Empire, as well as the Austro-Hungarian regime up to 1914. It deals with difficult topics such as the pogroms in the Russian Empire, however it also highlights trends in Ukrainian-Jewish political and civic cooperation. There is a focus on the cultural renaissance experienced by both Ukrainians and Jews during this period. This section concludes by examining emigration to North America. Although this volume may be compact in size at only 169 pages, it is full of relevant information, insightful historical analysis, detailed maps and graphic elements, as well as historically significant paintings and photographs. Readers of all ages will learn a great deal about Ukrainian and Jewish history, culture, religion, economics, and demographics in the land that is contemporary Ukraine. A Journey Through the Ukrainian-Jewish Encounter from Antiquity to 1914 is available free of charge from the Ukrainian-Jewish Encounter in PDF and print at their website, www.ukrainianjewishencounter.org. In the next episode of Ukrainian Jewish Heritage, four more books with compelling and memorable stories. Meanwhile, look for this list on the Holis blog to add these great books to your library and summer reading list. And do check out Ukrainian Jewish Heritage on the Holis website for the audio files and transcripts of the original reviews of these books. I'm Pavlina, producer and host of Holis Ukrainian Roots Radio. Until next time, shalom and happy summer reading. Join us again soon for another episode of Ukrainian Jewish Heritage here on Nash Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio.
1: American professors is running an online platform providing free tutoring help to Ukrainian pupils and students in any subject from maths, informatics, and sciences to history, language, and music. Hundreds of pupils and students from elementary school through the university level are already learning in Ukrainian, Russian, or English. You can see details and sign up to tutor or to learn at tutoringwithoutborders.org. Weekend passes for Canada's National Ukrainian Festival are available for only $150. Kids 12 and under get in free. Don't miss the very best in Ukrainian culture, food, music, and dancing over three incredible days, July 29th to 31st, at the festival site near Dauphin, Manitoba. Your one-pay gate gives you access to all the on-site attractions on four feature stages, including the amazing grandstand variety shows and evening dance parties. Order your weekend passes and camping passes by phone at 204-622-4600 or online at cnuf.ca.
0: The Ukrainian-Canadian Advocacy Group invites you to a one-day exhibition called War in Living Colour on Wednesday, July 27th in Vancouver. This will be a pop-up exhibit of Ukrainian wartime illustrations by artists from Kiev, Ukraine. This is an opportunity to go beyond the headlines by experiencing the war through the lens of artists living through Russia's brutal genocide. On the line with me now to tell us more about the exhibit is Sofia Kominko, one of the co-founders of the Ukrainian-Canadian Advocacy Group. She joins us by phone from Ottawa. Thank you for joining us, Sofia. Welcome to Nasholos. Hi, thank you so much for having me. So before we get into the details of this exhibit on Wednesday, uh, tell us a bit about yourself and the Ukrainian-Canadian Advocacy Group.
3: So my name is Sofia. I am... Um was born in, in Ukraine and um, have one of those very familiar, I guess, immigration stories from the late 1990s. My family moved to Vancouver and settled there. And then I actually moved to Ottawa for school and have been here ever since. And ever since February 24th, 2022, as for many people, life really flips on its head. And, you know, I've been engaged in many, many projects, initiatives, um, with various volunteer groups. And the story of this exhibit and the creation of the Can- Ukrainian Canadian advocacy group is actually intertwined because when I started planning this exhibit here in Ottawa, um, a few fellow volunteers from Vancouver reached out and said, we need to continue doing something in the cultural space and the art space. We need to continue to bring to light what is modern Ukraine. We need to be engaging the Canadian public and more innovative and diverse ways. And so the exhibit is one of the first events that we're planning, and it really happened organically where a couple of us, people who are just active in the community have ties to Ukraine, decided that we want to be uh, working in the cultural space and we want to be putting events that represent um, modern Ukrainian culture and also that focus on social action projects. So one of these projects is helping with rehabilitation programs for children who are impacted by war. Mm. so this is where we're at. Um, we formed just over a month ago, um, and this is our first project that is underway. But we're planning many more.
0: Oh wow! Well, that sounds fantastic. Are you involved with the Ukrainian Canadian Congress at all, or is this, are you just kind of separate on your own?
3: Um, the exhibit here in Ottawa was done with the Ukrainian Canadian Congress mm-hmm. and the Ottawa branch, as okay. well as an organization called Second Front Ukraine, mm-hmm. and it was the debut. And now the exhibit in Vancouver is being organized solely by the Canadian Advocacy Group and the tour that is planned is also going to be organized by this group. Oh,
0: wow. Okay.
3: So how did
0: you meet with um, these artists? The It's called the Pictoric Illustrators
3: Club? Yes. So um, with Pictoric, it's um, it's a story that goes back actually just to the beginning of the war. In March, I reconnected with um, an old friend from the Netherlands. So him and I did our master's together at university college, London. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, you know, it was, it was these conversations, right? Like people wanting to help people Mm -hmm. reaching out, people Mm -hmm. just asking, like, how can I contribute? What would be a meaningful way? Like do this, let's do that. And Mm -hmm. Jan, my friend, he's been following this illustrative club in Kiev for years. He is into um, the arts and graphic design and, um he told me about them ages ago and he said hey they're doing amazing things right now I would love to put on an exhibit in Utrecht where he's based in the Netherlands and I said hey like I'm going to run with this and let's Mm. do this in Canada because they've exhibited all over Europe and Asia some of their works have been acquired by the um, Library of Congress in the US and yet they've never been in Canada and so that's how the idea was born. Um, really, that that conversation happened in March, and then it took some time to find a good venue here in Ottawa. And then, in the midst of that, other friends reached out and say, "We need to continue be, to be doing something in the cultural space. We need to engage through art, through music." Mm-hmm. And and so it was it was just that perfect timing. So we really took a couple months to kind of get everything off the ground, to get the files, to print the work, to get all of that set up, and and. You're kind of. That's how it happens. Great. So the who who
0: belongs to the uh, this advocacy group? Do you have a lot of members, or uh, are you still building? Are you is it open to to new people joining?
3: If the Pictoric Illustrators Club. They're a group of probably close to a dozen artists, okay. if not more. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have the exact number, and they were founded in 2014 by Anna Sarvira and a few other Mm -hmm. Um, illustrators so I'm not sure what the composition is and if they're growing and developing The, the model kind of that we're working with is that and I and I believe that's how it works with other exhibitions as well is that if there's somebody who's interested in organizing and working with the club they just you know they work with the club to get the files they'll you know mentor you and tell you how to print and and what size and and what are like what substrates to work with and make recommendations. And, and then you just organize the event. And as for the Ukrainian-Canadian advocacy group, we're about five people right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, definitely we'll be growing and hoping to grow because to make big things happen, you need people. And we want people to be engaged on, on these types of projects in particular.
0: Okay, great. Well, you'll give us information how to get in touch with you at the end of, of our chat. So the Pictoric Illustrators Club has been going on since 2014. And um, so I guess they've been, this is not something that just came up after the 24th of February.
3: Um, so- no, no. And um, it's actually quite interesting when you look on their social media, you'll see a really um, contrast between the types of works that artists were producing before February 24th Mm. and the work that artists started producing after February twenty fourth.
0: I imagine it's, it's more graphic now, a little bit more more raw, more the recent?
3: Yes, and it's, you know, it's focusing on various themes of the war. So the theme of evacuation, the theme of living in a bomb shelter, mm. you know, themes of being under constant showing Russia, how, how you know, under, how Ukrainians understand Russia and Russian politics and culture and society. So those are some of the, the, the bigger themes. And before, before this renewed invasion, they had this beautiful collection called Yellow and Blue that they were exhibiting across Europe in parks, for example, in public spaces. And it was all about the modern representation of Ukraine and also mm-hmm. a very positive representation. So, mm-hmm. like, you know, a print about the Marsulka, the iconic yellow marshalka that <laughs> you'll see in many Ukrainian cities and how sweaty it is over the, in the summer to, you know, to be riding in little bus. Yeah.
0: Um, I remember those. Yeah. yeah. That, that little, uh, that little mini bus. Yeah.
3: Yeah, exactly. Um, or focusing on things like Teve coffee culture, because Teve mm. has a number of great coffee shops. Oh, I remember. And,
4: yeah. <laughs> yeah.
3: Yeah. So those like very, uh, yeah, just, you know, very normal day-to-day things. And, mm. and it was a very beautiful and vibrant collection of work. Still is. you <laughs> not, yeah, um, Displayed yeah. at the moment. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. So on display then on Wednesday it'll be all recent illustrations, and these aren't these aren't paintings. These are actually these are illustrations. So not quite the same as you know going to an art gallery and seeing watercolors or oil or that kind of thing.
3: Exactly. So they're digital illustrations or, or graphics design works it, it's very similar to poster art okay. um, and they're very vibrant and bright I mean it's kind of common for this for this type of art mm-hmm. and I think that's what makes this collection about the war actually so paradoxical because you take a step back and you look at these works of art displayed and they all look very almost happy like there's a lot of mm-hmm. they're very vibrant mm-hmm. and and I, I have four eyes, so I couldn't even decipher. Like I, I I we put them up here in Ottawa, you know, the day before we opened the pop up here and I took a step back and I'm like, you know, you just see beautiful colors, pink and, and blue and, and and then as you approach the the work you you actually see that it's it's absolutely horrible what it's showing, right? Like it's showing a woman driving with a child in the back seat mm-hmm. and all she sees through the windshield are just missiles right? mm-hmm. and, and things exploding and it's this bright pink color. It's very unexpected, um, but when you when you kind of see those images, you also are able to see the images that you saw from the news and from the headlines. It, these are kind of the scenes that have become so iconic yeah, yeah. Um, so, in the last
0: Yeah, so that's you know, going be- beyond the headlines and actually in a way vicariously experiencing it. Now, um, your Ottawa exhibit was quite successful. I mean, for me, I tend to try to avoid unpleasant trees and, and it, uh, I try to block out as much as I can and kind of just go emotionally numb. And I, for, I don't know, probably I'm not the only person that does this, How do, how is it received in Ottawa by, you know, people who would tend to do the same thing, want to, you know, not want to expose themselves to this negativity, this horror?
3: Mm-hmm. There was definitely a lot of emotion, you know, some people, you know, who also came during the quieter times, if we were on for two days or two things, and then we had a closing reception and that was like a packed event, but people who came during the quieter days, you know, they really spent quite a long time looking at the pieces. And I mean, a lot of it was heavy, especially if you have the direct connection. Mm-hmm. Um, and we got people from all walks of life, but not necessarily like people who are connected, but who felt grateful that they could engage with the issue through a forum that they also understood. So a mm-hmm. lot of, you know, some people who were artists themselves or illustrators themselves. Mm-hmm. And Good. that was, I guess, very also important for me to see as an organizer because I wanted this to go beyond the Ukrainian community. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. yeah, a lot of appreciation and, and some heavy conversations, mm-hmm. um, some conversations around, once again, going back to that topic of the importance. Of doing more of these events, especially as time goes on, and as you know, there are fewer reports covering the war. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Well, it is it, it is important to keep this front of mind because, as much as you know, we want to forget about it, pretend it wasn't happening, because it's we're not you know here in Canada not being affected by it directly, unless we have somebody there, and even those of us you know who do kind of block it out as much as you can, that's not a good thing to do because. This is affecting the whole world, even though the whole world doesn't understand that.
3: Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I had these like conversations about a month after the war with colleagues from the UK. And I already then had a little bit of a panic that the world is going to forget or the world is mm-hmm. going to be desensitized. And mm-hmm. he assured me, no, 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 because when there's threat to say like nuclear war. <laughs> yeah. Nobody's going to forget because then yeah. every country you also thinks about their own security interests. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet, there's just this realization that no matter what happens, life, you know, in many parts of the world goes on. And, and that's just the reality. And it does stay to the background. But for you, who's impacted and, and who, like, every day you just wake up right, checking the news and checking on your family, and this just doesn't go away.
4: Yeah.
3: You're like, I just need to figure out a way yeah. <laughs> to continue.
0: Continue the work. Um, yeah, and this this is a good two pronged approach. I mean, it's it's ther- in a way therapeutic for people like yourself, and to a lesser extent to myself, and um, it's also informative for those who are trying to kind of block it out and try to forget about it. Mm-hmm. It's interesting the approach that these illustrators have that they have it's, it looks like art from a distance, but when you come up it's kind of like pow, it, it, it hits you and it makes you mm-hmm. think and it makes you think. so which is a good thing. And uh, once you know, people start thinking, you know then you know, thoughts manifest in, into, into our reality, right? So you know the more people mm-hmm. are thinking and you know understanding what's going on, you, you know, feeling empathy and, as well as sympathy, miracles can happen, right?
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: So, uh, in your your debut in Ottawa was um, more than one day.
3: It was three days or three evenings rather. We worked with the Saw Gallery, which is an artist-run center in the heart of Ottawa. They've been around for decades. They're quite an old center and, and well known. And they actually were very generous and provided the space to us in the heart of Ottawa free of charge. So we were able to have the exhibit up for three evenings. And um, on the third evening, we had a closing reception. We had Vasil Popaduk. He lives in Ottawa. And, yes. Uh, we really wanted, wanted him to be a part of this evening. And so he played for a part of the evening and also had a newly appointed ambassador from Ukraine to Canada, uh-huh. Yulia Kahalev, join us with opening remarks. And it was, it was packed. <laughs> okay. It was packed. We were also fundraising for uh, Tactical First Aid. Mm-hmm. Um, that's something that the organization Second Front does, and also something that my good friend and I, who organized the exhibit, we've been collecting for practical first aid since mm-hmm. the beginning of the war. And she actually, the day after the closing reception, she flew over to Poland and delivered two suitcases of bleeding control medication, Jornikat, mm-hmm. the essentials. Oh, um, oh. so we, yeah, fundraised about three thousand. At the
0: event. Oh, that's great. So tell us about the, the Vancouver exhibit then. what, Where will it be? What can what can people expect to see there?
3: Mm-hmm. So it will be held at also the Kent Gallery on Canby Street. And it's also a beautiful, beautiful space that is being donated for this event, free of charge. So Lovely. we are very grateful that they are sponsoring mm-hmm. and supporting us. hmm It's important. Um, much different space from what we have here in Ottawa. But okay. in terms of what you can expect, so the gallery will be open from 12 to 5 during the day for leisurely viewing. Okay. So anybody who just wants to come by and, and, and see the work is able to. And then around 5 30 until the end of the evening there will be a closing reception so the format is similar but it's squished into one day okay um and the the evening will have a bar some food on site and also actually one of the illustrators belonging to the club uh, she recently arrived in Vancouver and she will be joining for oh, nice. a part of the evening and there will be an opportunity to Engage with her as one of the illustrators, and her works will be on display as well. So, that's a neat teacher that we mm. didn't have in Ottawa. And great. And yeah, so in this case, all of the money that is being fundraised is to go towards supporting one of the projects of uh, the Ukrainian Canadian Advocacy Group, and that is to support rehabilitation programs for children impacted by the war.
0: Wonderful. Okay. Uh, so Uh, You're planning planning other locations as well after Vancouver? I
3: am. I'm (laughs) trying to. And uh, I'm in the process of putting together a website to continue getting the word out and and planning the actual tour. So there's uh, interest from Toronto, from Montreal. I reached out to contacts on the island. A few contacts reached out to Winnipeg. Vancouver Island? Oh, great. Uh Yeah, I have a friend in Nanaimo and uh, if anybody wants to help or bring this to your city, uh, we're so open and uh, that's the entire point of this exhibit is to, you know, have these pop-ups in as many Mm. locations as we can. It's definitely still all in the works. It's a bigger operation. Okay. Well, than I ever <laughs> <laughs> It
0: tends to be that it tends to be us, uh, but uh, very, I'm sure, very, very gratifying and certainly very important work. So, how can people get in touch with your friend in Nanaimo or Toronto or Montreal or anywhere else, and just you know keep up with you and um, keep up on what you're doing and get and keep in touch with you, and uh, and reach out to offer to help. How how would they do that?
3: Definitely you can get in touch with me personally via email, but also engaging with the Ukrainian community advocacy group. We're now quite active on social media, on Facebook and um, on Instagram. Our handle on Instagram is the advocacy group. We're responsive and, and we'll see the messages. And then you will you can also see the pictures from the exhibits and mm. you, can, you can, you can see everything in action. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's a very easy way. And then, our website once that's up and running fully that'll be um, another medium but for now just social media or
0: you can contact me directly as well. Okay so UC Advocacy is the handle on Instagram the same on Facebook? Yes,
3: yeah, UC Advocacy.
0: Okay. So we'll just uh just yeah. do a search for that and we'll find you. If you're listening and you you're you know banging your head against the wall how can I help? Here is a perfect way to help. Um, you know, maybe you can't fundraise or you can't, you know, do other things, but these people need hands and feet on the ground. So right. UC Advocacy Group on Instagram and Facebook and do check the Hollis podcast show notes for links to those and uh, other information, other ways to get in touch with Sophia and the Ukrainian Canadian Advocacy Group. So thank you so much. And um, best of luck in the uh, exhibit on Wednesday here and your future exhibits. And I hope that you'll stay in touch with us and uh, keep us posted so we can let listeners in other parts of the country know when an exhibit's coming to them.
3: Yeah, that sounds wonderful. And thank you so much for, for taking the time to speak with me and listening to the story and getting, it, getting the word out. It's really important to us and we really appreciate it. Oh, my absolute pleasure. Thanks so much. Bye.
0: I was speaking with Sofia Kamenko in Ottawa. Sophia is one of the co-founders of the Ukrainian-Canadian Advocacy Group, which is organizing a series of exhibits across Canada called War in Living Colour. These exhibits feature the work of Ukrainian illustrators and graphic artists living through Russia's brutal genocidal attack on their country. The Canadian debut exhibit was held in Ottawa and the second is being held in Vancouver on Wednesday, July 27th at also the Kent Gallery, 538 Canby Street in Vancouver. The gallery will be open for casual leisurely viewing from 12 noon to 5 p.m. by cash donation at the door. The official reception begins at 5.30 with a cash bar, food, music, and special guests, including the Ukrainian ambassador and one of the artists whose work is featured in the exhibit. Tickets for the reception are $30 through Eventbrite. Links to Sophia and the event will be in the podcast show notes of tonight's show, www.nashholis.com
5: Сумани вішали нога, глянувши стання на цей світ біленький у смертну годину козак мовив так, хай живе, живе вільна Україна, хай живуть, живуть вічно козаки, хай цвіте, хай цвіте червона калина, нехай звінуть воріженьки на вічні віки. Нехай знинуть воріженьки на вічні віки, як вороги кляті, нас на тіл саджали, як живцем у смолі й пекли, козаки у хатах життя не благали, родою країни думи були, весь живе, живе вільна Україна, Хай живу, живу. Козаки, хай цвіте, хай цвіте червона калина, нехай зинуть горіженки на вічні віки, нехай зинуть горіженьки, навічні. Ніколи не побачить сонця той, хто зрадить батьківщину. І як тайну першому вбивці на землі, ніколи не було, нема і не буде прощення. Ай так не буде прощення й тим, хто заради лакомства проклятого вбив у серці своїм вололюбний дух народу нашого. Зрадив мову, відсарався віри християнської.
0: Kemusikier, which uh, translates as "musicians from Lviv," and "Chajevat Vilna Ukraina," long live free Ukraine. Nežamývajúcky chcela náš programu štúdium domovísk zatiaľ popatčenia, ale pretermia ktorý založil štúdium, ktorým slovami moudrostia. V koho kajetia nejmaje, toy idali zle postupuje. And our proverb of the week translates as, "Without repentance, evil continues to spread." You hear that, Mr. Putin? Well, that brings us to the end of another edition of Nash Holos, Ukrainian Roots Radio, here on AM 1320 CHMB Vancouver. Just a reminder to tune in to the Nanaimo edition of Nash Holos, which can be heard in the Vancouver listening area on 101.7 FM, Wednesdays from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m., with host Oksana Popareznik. If you miss our on-air or live stream broadcast, you'll find the podcast at our website, www.nashholos.com. There's also a link to our Patreon site there, and I hope you'll consider supporting our work and engaging with us there, www.nashholos.com. As well, there are links to reputable uh, charities and organizations where you can support the heroes of Ukraine defending freedom and independence in their country and for the rest of the world. All our time is about up, so to wrap it up, we've got the Ukrainian connection from Saskatchewan, Mickey and Bunny's old backup band, and Kolomeka. I'm Pavlina, on behalf of all of us here at Nasholus and AM thirteen twenty. Thanks for listening, and dobranec. <music>